Welcome back to the St Edward's School podcast, the place where we talk to staff, parents and pupils to find out more about life at the school. Now in this episode, we're talking to the Head of Computing and Head of eSafety in the Prep School, Fran Roberts. Fran's going to tell us why technology excites him, how the use of technology in schools has changed during his time teaching and how we introduce digital skills to prep-aged children. But we'll also get to hear about the importance of learning computing in school and how parents can encourage and inspire children to learn valuable technical skills through websites such as code.org. That's all coming up in this episode. So come with me now as we step into the world of computing with Fran Roberts. Fran, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm all right, thank you very much. I'm uh, sitting in my computing room, looking out over um, the land of St. Edward's in front of us, in front of the manor house, so it's a, a nice, beautiful view of the leaves falling for a nice Tuesday morning. We're recording this in December. How do the grounds look in December for people that maybe haven't been onto the school site for a while? A lot of the trees have changed colour, so there's an awful lot of yellow and orange and an awful lot of leaves all over the grass. So you can see the wintry weather coming in, but it's got that... That warm fire, sitting in front of the fire feeling that you know is when Christmas and winter is coming. So it's a nice, it's a nice feeling when you're in a nice warm room anyway. Well, Christmas, of course, is just around the corner. What are your plans for Christmas after you, after you break up from school? Well, I'm hoping at the moment to go to Ireland with my uh, family to uh, visit my mum and dad. I've been home once in the last two years due to uh, COVID. So I'm really looking forward to trying to make that trip over but the rules are changing in Ireland at the moment Mm. and we do it's a sort of uncertain few weeks ahead so fingers crossed I'm going to get over with my family I have a a daughter that was born two years ago my mum and dad have only met her once so um, and my sister and yeah my sister and family haven't met her yet I, I really I'm desperate to get over so they can get to know her a bit but you know a lot of people are in these situations with Covid now, of course, you've just given away that you're from Ireland, and, and I think to an extent yes. your accent may have given that away partially already. Tell us a little bit about, I'm guessing that you grew up in Ireland, but maybe just tell us how you made that migration, I guess, from Ireland to the wonderful world of Cheltenham. Well, I was born in Manchester in England. My dad is English and my mum is Irish. And um, after I have an older brother and two older sisters, and after I was born, my uh, mum and dad decided that they would want to move to Ireland back to where my mother was from in Kilkenny in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So we moved over when I was about four in the early 80s, leaving Manchester, Manchester the city of Manchester, to um, move over to the middle of the countryside in, in Ireland. And I lived there and, and worked there until my mid-20s. And then I decided to do a bit of travelling. Mm-hmm. And I travelled for about two or three years around sort of Southeast Asia and Australia. Mm-hmm. And while I was in Southeast Asia, I taught, I taught English as a foreign language in Thailand. Okay. And I basically got the bug of teaching over there. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved back to Ireland, I decided that I wanted to leave the IT industry that mm-hmm. I'd worked in mm-hmm. and um, become a teacher. And... That's how I ended up moving over to England. My cousin lived in Gloucester. She was a teacher, so that's the reason I moved over. I moved over here and with the intention of staying for about two years. And then in my second year, I met my current wife. And, um, well, my current, my only wife. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to ask. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) 
And that's it, yeah. I've ended up staying here. We got married. We got three wonderful kids. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so Cheltenham is, a, is, is quite different from where I'm from. But it's a, an absolutely magnificent town to be living in. So Kilkenny, I, I think a lot of people that are listening to this may have heard of Kilkenny for a certain beverage that, that originates from, from the yes. town. But tell me what, a couple of the major ways in which Cheltenham is very, is very different to Kilkenny. I suppose they've both got their bit of their history, but I suppose, you know, Cheltenham is a very historic town and very well known throughout the country. In Ireland, especially when I tell people I'm living in Cheltenham, they they just go crazy because of the horse racing and everybody oh, wants see. to come over yeah. and visit and right. stay, stay in your house. And um, they're all incredibly jealous that I have every year the um, Cheltenham Festival. Hmm. And and then I turn around and tell them that I have absolutely no interest in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I've never been. And, and I wouldn't know one end of a horse from the other. Hmm. So, um, yeah, they think it's a bit of a waste that I live over here. Okay, so in this episode, then, we're going to be talking about technology and how technology is used in schools. But first of all, can you tell us why this is a, a passion and an interest in, in your eyes? I mean, why is technology something that excites you? I'm presuming that it does excite you, but wh- why, why so? I suppose from a very early young age, um, my older brother, he's, he's about six years older than me, he um, was at the, the age of buying a, the sort of the first personal home computers. So he had a, a Spectrum 16K computer. It had rubber keys and you used to plug it into your radio and you could play very, very basic games on it. And as I said, we lived in the countryside in Ireland. So if you weren't outside... If the weather wasn't okay and you weren't outside playing, if you were indoors, you know, having a computer was just unbelievable. <laughs> and so we grew up playing games. And then he went on then to, to have a, uh, do a degree in computing. Mm-hmm. And he still works in IT. He works in Japan in recruiting. And my sister, she went into computing as well. And she worked for Dell in Ireland for a number of years. Mm-hmm. So it was probably a bit of a natural progression to move on and do IT myself. Mm. So we all went to the same university in Ireland and we all ended up in computers, <laughs> which I really enjoyed using. But I found, I think I found sitting behind a desk all day working in the, with a computer, I, f- I, f- I found quite probably boring at times. Mm. So when I wanted to move on to a different career, I wanted to stay using computers. And that's why the, the, having that teaching experience in Thailand and having the computing experience that directed me down to become an IT teacher. And it was, it's the future, really. You know, the, the computers are just, they're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we can see how much it's changed our lives in the last 10, 20 years. And our kids need to be set up for that future. Mm. Mm. And it's... It's fun to teach them. They want to learn. Primary school children, they want to learn. They, they find them exciting. They find discovering things on computers. They, they find it amazing. Mm. I started off as a secondary school teacher. Mm-hmm. Did that for about five or six years and then moved to primary school. So I've, I've taught a very wide range of, of pupils. But I find that the younger ones, they're just desperate to use computers. They, you know, they, they love the technology. And it's the future. Well, let's talk about that a little bit more then, because I, I, I'm going to guess that some of the people listening to this right now, they might be thinking back to when to when they were at school and they might have a, a an, an idea of what computing is like in schools today based on their experience of school life in maybe the 80s or 90s or something like that. Tell us some of the ways that it's changed 
in that time from the 80s and 90s to here we are in 2021 and 22? Well, I suppose when I started teaching about 11 years ago, it's, it's probably the same sort of thing was done that we we grew up learning about computers. So you're still, you were learning an awful lot about Microsoft products. So mm. how to, you know, change fonts in Word and how to write letters and how to make posters and PowerPoints. And that sort of changed in 2014. They, the government changed the curriculum. So it was previously called, the subject was previously called ICT. And then they came up with a new subject called computing which is more based around sort of how a computer works. Mm. So the insides of the computer, the languages, the technologies that it's based upon. So a move away from using software packages to actually coding and the technical parts of a computer. And why did they make that transition? Why did they make that move from one to the other? I think a part of it is that those sorts of skills that we were learning were sort of... Uh, there were skills that other subjects could be teaching and children would sort of naturally absorb how ah. to write a letter mm. because, say, they would do it in English or mm. you would use a PowerPoint to create something in, <clears throat> say, history or you would use Excel to make graphs and maths. So it was kind of like to spread out some of the skills amongst other subjects and sort of naturally naturally learn those skills and then concentrate on more technical things in computing lessons. So it takes a bit of cooperation from other teachers and other subject heads to to incorporate those sort of features <clears throat> into their curriculum mm. Mm. to sort of help out with, you know, you're essentially going to other subject heads going, can, can you please teach the posters? And then, you know, showing them what you want from a computing side and then letting them go and sort of interpret that however they can for their subject and make it useful for the children, not just shoo it in as, you know, it's got, still got to be useful to them. Okay, so today then, is it is it more about coding and how coding is, is operated hand in hand with some of the, maybe, you know, the hardware of a computer, you know, how, how, a, how a hard drive connects to a processor how that connects absolutely yeah we, we do we, do, we teach we teach coding in every year group now from reception up to year six yeah we start off in in reception we start off with a website called code.org and it's a fantastic website from america and it has courses for every sort of from all years mm -hmm. and you can keep going all the way up till you know in your late teens whatever and even on into an adult and they start off with very basic programming, like learning to control a character, to move it around the screen, to repeating things, to putting things in the right order, the, the very basic principles of programming. Mm. And, and we start that in, in reception in their first or second week, you know, as soon as, as soon as we can get them in here and showing them what a mouse is and showing them what a keyboard is. Mm. I think that's one of the differences is that these, the younger ones, are probably more used to using iPads and and sort of uh, touchscreen devices mm -hmm. rather than using sort of computers and laptops. So mm. it takes them a little bit while to to make that that jump when they come in from reception because a lot of them are trying to swipe across the screen okay. when when they're sitting on the, sitting in front of the computer for the first time. <laughs> so yeah. we get them used to the computer. We get them used to their typing to to understand their letters because it helps. 
it helps them with learning their alphabets straight away in reception, you know, and capital letters because a lot of the keyboards have capital letters. So, yeah, we do coding straight away and then we do that through every single year group, sort of building it up year upon year upon year mm-hmm. to sort of in year six, really learning their first sort of text language called uh, Small Basic is from Microsoft. And then we, we get them ready, hopefully, that when they go into secondary school and they start learning their sort of their official first language, mm-hmm. then they'll have a basis of coding going in to secondary school and be ahead of other children, hopefully, that are coming from other schools. Why do you believe coding is so important in schools? Like what we talked about before, about sort of, you know, when we went for get sort of jobs in the 90s or the early, you know, noughties, that you were, it was assumed that you would know how to use Microsoft Word. It was assumed you would know how to use PowerPoint. Mm. That, you know, those skills are sort of accepted as nowadays, if, if a, a company puts out a job application, they, they, they want those sort of skills already. Mm. And I, I think I believe in the future, we're going, we're going down that line of when, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, that people will be expected to know mm sort of the underlying principles of coding that companies will look for somebody to come in that has that's doing marketing but expect them to be able to go and change the company app and add a new feature to the app or 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 get the results from the app and do something with them Hmm. so i think it's going to be more moving on to more of a core skill over the next you know 20 30 years tell me why that is the case then because I'm going to challenge you on this a little bit because with something like Microsoft Word or or Excel, we tend to use those software packages alongside all parts of our everyday lives. You know, if we're doing, you know, Christmas budget, I was doing this with my wife last night, Christmas budget planning, then, you know, we may well use an Excel spreadsheet. But I'm wondering how often in the future people will need to do a bit of coding alongside something else that they're doing. You know, maybe if they're interested in music or they're interested in, dance or, or something else nothing at all to do with computing why they might sort of have a need for for coding alongside that i think we're we're in a an ever-changing you know an ever-changing world where computers are becoming more and more and more important and they're becoming so integrated into our lives one of, one of the things that you used to be able to teach the children was what was a trustworthy website that you could read and and, and really trust the information you were getting from that website but but nowadays it's so easy to create a website that it's very hard to tell what what website is actually telling the truth and which one is leading you down a path of sort of what they want you to learn or what they want you to know that anybody can create a website now Mm. and many people you know we've seen over the last two years going into lockdowns people have started their own businesses and you can go out and get someone to create a website for you but that that might cost you five six thousand pounds you can go and do that for very little, you know, you can do that for, you know, for, for free now. Yeah. You, if you have already have a computer, you can go and make your own website. Mm. So why, why would you want to go and pay four or five thousand pounds to somebody mm. when actually you can go and create your own website very easily, you know, watch YouTube videos and learn how to do it and then go ahead and make your own website and put the website up and have your own checkout system and accept money and you're in control of that money and I think those technical skills you know we're giving the children confidence now to be able to know that when they want to do that Mm -hmm. that 
I know adults that if I said to them now, you can go out and create a website, and they go, well, I wouldn't have a clue how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can tell a year five pupil, we make websites in year five, and I can tell them now, you'll be able to go out and make your own website for your own company in 10 mm-hmm. years. And they go, yeah, I can. Yeah. And, you know, and they're 10 years of age. You know, Brilliant. and they have that belief. Love that. And they have, yeah. So it's, I think it's going to be, uh, another example, we have, we have 3D printers here. Mm-hmm. You know, and when... You know, when I was a kid, uh, a normal printer cost hundreds of pounds. People, you know, mm. if you heard, heard of somebody that had a printer in their house, it was, you know, incredible. They could print their own documents. It was, <laughs> you know, you could write your name on a piece of paper and print it out and stick it up in your bedroom. <laughs> well, you know, you, you can go into Tesco's now and you can buy one for, you know, 30 pounds or mm. other supermarkets. Mm. You know, we have a 3D printer here. And I think in 20, 30, 40 years, those are going to be very, very affordable things. And they're going to be things that people have in their houses mm. you know when you're going to have a th- little 3d printer out in your garage and you can go design yourself a new pair of glasses and print them out and get the lenses sent to you and mm. or, or you know print them off it's a digital future i think the the 3d printers are going to be things that people have in their houses and they can go print themselves a pair of glasses they can design themselves a bit of jewelry you know we have a bit of furniture that, that might break here and you know a replacement bit of plastic we can actually design that ourselves here and print that Mm. and repair that ourselves and i think people will do that i think around their houses having that that background of using computers and being comfortable with computers i think it's 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 going to be something i think it's a it's a big thing of the future i think so how do we as adults then educate and inspire children of today when, as you've indicated, we are more of the generation that says, I can't create a website, and the children are far more open-minded when it comes to what they're, what they're able to do, what they're capable of doing. How do, we, how do we keep ourselves in that position where we're able to inspire them? It, it, it's a tricky one because, you know, I notice, notice with my own, my own kids, if, if they could spend all day on their devices, they would. Hmm. It's about trying to put... It's trying, trying to use the time that they have on devices it's, it's trying to use that effectively and you know it's very easy for me to slip at home and just give one of the kids youtube and just say you know go and watch youtube for half an hour mm. it's a lot more beneficial for me to put them on a, a you know a coding website or paint program mm. and get them to use it to you know productively mm. but in a, in a fun way you know so I'm, I'm trying to teach my kids at home using using the ipad or but using it in a way where that where they maybe they don't realize that they're learning Mm, you know they're seeing it as fun and you know giving them puzzles and things where they're they're using their brains you know more than just sitting and watching youtube but you know those things do have their benefits as well they do Mm. have you know they are useful things they are incredible research Mm. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say that there's no benefit of watching YouTube or having YouTube. There absolutely is. But you can find ways to, to stimulate them more. You know, I can, I can see, you know, my kids too turn into zombies sometimes when they are watching YouTube. But, you know, I spend my little time watching YouTube as well, or, or my wife does. And, you know, so, yes. So, you know, there, there, are, there are benefits to watching them. The, the, the research that you can, can do on them, like, you know, we've got a, a broken radiator at home and I'm trying to repair that and, uh, you know, I watched mm. some videos over the weekend. Mm. So there are, there are massive benefits to it, but it, it can be 
also you know you can get sucked into just watching youtube videos all day so it's oh, about I think, that parents <laughs> absolutely you know mm. so uh, it's about parents trying to use that time productively mm. and, and trying to give the children ideas of things they can use computers for so we we try to have a lot of I try to use in school as much free software as possibly we can so that, you know, parents can download it at home mm. and, and use those things at home. Or we have websites, either f- free ones or paid ones that the school use, but we make them available that the children can log into their own accounts on those at home mm-hmm. um, and use them at home. So mm. I know a few weeks ago you talked to Mr. Fathers and some of the children and they, they think they told you about Mathletics. Yes, that's uh, right. A math yes. website that we use. Mm. And then there's an English website for, called ReadyWriter that mm. uh, we use for spellings. So mm. there are lots of very productive ways that the kids can get educational benefit from, uh, from, from the parents, with the parents. If the parents can actually sit with them and see what they're doing, I know, I know that's not easy, mm. finding that time. But I know like my own kids, they, they love it when I sit down with them and just do computers mm. and just, you know, give them sort of, you know, half an hour and we do a bit of coding together or we just paint on a pr- little program. So you, you can have, you know, you can have some fun with your kids as well by, uh, by learning what they're learning. And they love showing their parents what they do. Now, one of the websites you mentioned earlier was code.org. Is that, is that a website that yes. other people like families at home can use together as well? Yeah, anybody can create a, a anybody can create a free account on that. We use it, so I create an account for all of the children. We have we create logons for them, so their own their own personalized logons, and then they can I set different courses for different age groups, mm-hmm. and then they can progress independently at home. So mm-hmm. some of them are tricky, some of the things they have to do. So it's nice to have a parent around that might might be able to help out, but they are designed hopefully for all sort of abilities so you mm. can, there's lots of different courses and they can yeah use them in school and, and i can track them all their progress here mm. I, I have a login and then i have all the classes and then the kids can message me if they get stuck doing their homework they can send me a message and i can have a look at like helping them or you know we're using that that you know technology like Microsoft Teams, they can just message me when I'm at home and it pops up on my phone and mm. I can send them a quick message back. So there's, yeah, massive benefits. Very good. Fran, we need to bring this to a close in a moment, but if anyone's heard anything okay. and they wanted to get in touch, maybe get in touch with you with any follow-up questions, how could they go about doing that? Yeah, they can email me and contact me in school on my email address. That's f.roberts at uk. And yeah, I tried to make myself available to the parents. I hope the parents know that. We put lots of information in newsletters. One of the big things that we're trying to push at the moment, we didn't really touch on it before, but e-safety is a, is a huge thing uh, these days for, for parents and for children and for people at work. And we are really, we're really trying to push, you know, we, I teach the children about that in their curriculum every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to try and educate the parents as well. So there is a there's a an, a website or an app that we use from a company called the National Online Safety, and the parents can sign up to that, and then they can get uh, they can do courses on there. They can watch webinars. Um, they can learn about all the different sort of dangers and benefits that the internet has to offer. They can also they bring out a weekly poster on a different topic, which is quite a lot of the time directed at current games or apps that children might be using so they you know if they hear the child is talking about the new the new game that everybody's playing they can go and look at it on the app and read about it and see 
you know, what, what their child is talking about when they're talking about earning coins and spending hmm. things yeah. and changing their avatars. Yeah. And they can go and find out what those things are. So I really encourage the parents to contact me if they would like that. It's a, it really is a fantastic resource. I'm sure that they will if they have any questions. Fran, thank you for being here and for giving up your time today to open this digital world at St. Edward's to us all today. Thank you. Thank you. So that was Head of Computing and Head of eSafety in the prep school, Fran Roberts. Thank you, Fran, for joining us on this episode of the podcast. It was really good to hear your passion for the subject. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.